To the ether. Today is Saturday, December 17th, 2022. Today on the ether, art history with Tez Town and Friends, hosted by Sandy Toes 2211. Let's take a listen. Welcome, friends. This is Sandy Toes coming to you live from Laguna Beach, California. Today, I am going to be looking over some of the most amazing art that we have been seeing on the Tezos blockchain. And I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, Terra Spaces, thank you for recording this space. And uh, I want to say thank you to Testown for inviting me to do this program. And uh, if you would please go to Testown and also follow them and look at their amazing events that they put on because we've got a lot of amazing um, events that are happening and Lily who is one of the founders of Test Town um, has been organizing some great events and they've been giving away prizes as well and thank you to Tezos Commons because when they do have events uh, they also assist with these prizes so I want to show my gratitude to them as well as to Test Town for doing this. I also want to welcome my co-host today, Kunal. He will be uh, with me today and we're going to talk about art. And uh, you know what? I'm really happy to do this space because a lot of other spaces, you know, you only get a couple minutes to talk to uh, the artist and, and uh, see what they're doing. But I wanted to have a space where we could get deep into Tezo's art and find out what's going on with some of these amazing artists. So thanks for joining me today. Um, Kunal, how are you? Welcome, and thank you for being my co-host. Please unmute yourself and tell us how you've been. Hi, Sandy. What's up? Been great. It's like midnight here. So, yeah, but I'm awake. What's up with you? How was your Saturday? Or how? It's morning, right? In your, in your country? Well, in Southern California, it is 1.03 p.m. We're in our Saturday afternoon, and um, I'm doing great. I was out of the country for a little bit. I picked up a bad fever, and I finally survived it, and I'm just happy to be home. You know, there's no place like home. No matter where you go, even the most fluffiest beds can't be as good as your own. So I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be in my um, uh, safe place where I'm familiar with everything, and I'm looking forward to digging deep into Tezo's art. So today's, uh, and I'm choosing 
I'm going to choose to focus on one or two artists at the most when I do these programs so that we can deep dive into their process, into what they're sharing with us. And, um, and going forward, I'm going to do this regularly so that we can all get to know each other. And there's a lot of art that didn't get reviewed, right? Like a year and a half ago, People weren't doing Twitter spaces. So there's a lot of artists' work that we never talked about. And I'd like to just go back to the beginning and review some of this art. What do you say? Are you ready with me to take a deep dive into one of my favorite artists that I love so much? My name is True Tess. What do you think? Should we get this show started? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, wonderful. Well, why did I pick this artist? Um, I don't know why, but there's a lot of reasons. And um, when I first came into the NFT space and I looked at um, his art, and uh, by the way, my name is True Taz. We don't know who this person is because they're anonymous. But what I have learned after a year of communication, um, I figured out that this person is a real world, well-known artist who does not want his identity revealed. Um, so he has stayed hidden and continues to make art. And, and that is just so fascinating, right? So part of the mystery is who is this artist? Where is he? And, um, and, and, and what's his message to us? So I started collecting his art um, way in the beginning. And by the way, out of all the artists uh, in the space, I have collected his art the most. I did my 2022 review of what I've done. And apparently, I have bought art from 703 artists. And I have one, uh, 1. 1.8, uh, I guess that's 1,800 uh, Tezos NFTs that I purchased uh, in 2022. So I'm proud to be a Tezos collector. I believe in this ecosystem and things are just getting better. And uh, so, first of all, I don't think that my name is true, Tez, um, has any uh, listings other than Tezos. So this is like a really big deal to me because there are a lot of people who feel that way, right? They just, they're, they're hardcore Tezos believers and they do that. And that's great. So he's been on the Tezos blockchain since the beginning. And um, why don't we just get right into it and, and see what's going on. Now I've put up some uh, tweets in the nest for us. Um, so just, just to get us started. And um, just to see where we are. So uh, the first tweet that I put up is um, it's got four different works in there. Social anxiety, times like these, and um, a couple more. But I want to focus on social anxiety. So I purchased this uh, quite a while ago, but um, it's really ironic that this piece of art uh, became very symbolic because at this point, this artist has left the Twitter spaces. He made a tweet uh, not too long ago, 
and um, he's not happy with what was happening with the Twitter spaces, uh, with Twitter in general, just like many other artists. And so he made his uh, account restricted, and he's no longer tweeting about his art on Twitter. And uh, so this this is very significant because um, Twitter is one of the most important platforms for artists to bring their art to the world. And so what has made this artist who's world-renowned and has amazing artwork, he left the Twitter space. Um, this was a blowing crush to me because I got up every morning and I looked forward to his tweets because he's... Um, it's just his work is so deep. And so I just thought it was really ironic that this one of the first uh, NFTs I bought was this uh, social anxiety. And um, so what do you think about that, Kunal? Did you get a chance to look at the bleeding bird? Yeah, I think it's very symbolic of the current times and uh, especially the bleeding heart. It's minimal, but also very powerful at the same time. I, and the fact is that he has so many different kind of styles. It's so varied. He's, so, he's not restricted to just one form of expression. I think that is like really interesting for me because uh, in the spaces where everyone is uh, dictating one sort of an art style and he's just being so courageous to kind of um, find out what his true art style is it's really liberating in that way and i think it's it's sometimes minimal it's sometimes complex sometimes there's a lot of cyberpunk to it so i think it's so varied even his inspiration even his twitter profile the name itself it's so creative i think his expression is so so i mean very unapologetic in a way it's very, very, uh, every, very expressive is the word, actually. Everything is so expressive. Like he wants to express through his Twitter profile, through his imageries, through his art. So everything is very expressive. And the, about this, the, this picture, I think it's very powerful. I love the color play. It's not that Twitter blue, but it also has this really bright sort of um, cobalt blue at the background, which is actually very interesting. Sorry. I thought I was talking, but I just realized I had muted myself. <laughs> um, thank you, Kunal. Yes, I agree with you. I think um, every point you made is 100% spot on. Um, i also like to take this uh, opportunity to say hello to Retro Manny, Monomol, Roya, Tabassom, Fred, um, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And um, also, I have a new friend that I'm going to follow, and uh, this is a Brain Zest. Welcome to our program as well. Um, if anybody has opinions and they want to come up and speak about this art, please request. We will welcome you. And Fred, how are you? Um, I want to give you a chance to say hello and uh, give us your opinion. Have you looked at this artwork before, and, and what is your opinion about the particular work we're discussing right now? Actually, I was, wasn't watching right then. So which one is it? It's because of the last one I can see is the Test Town one. And which is the one that you're saying is the first one you purchased? Well, we were talking about the bleeding Twitter bird. Um, I believe it's the second tweet I put up in the nest. Um, so it's got uh, social anxiety, times like this, and a couple of other ones. So we were just uh, covering the first one which is the bleeding blue Twitter bird. And um, our artist friend has left Twitter. So I just thought this was a perfect way to start this show is to talk about this. Um, 
What do you think of the Bleeding Bird Twitter? Definitely, I love it because I love blue and red, two of my favourite colours. I like the way he's used the, the deep, the darker blue, the light blue, the, the contrast with the red. Um, it's definitely a, a good statement because Twitter has been, before I came into the Twitter, um, you know, it had a toxic, um, it was, you know, had a toxic reputation or a toxic environment reputation. And I think us as artists, it's very hard for us because it doesn't, you know, like you can have your good friends that you want to interact with all the time, yet they still drop off. Um, I've just noticed the last couple of weeks, people I would see their tweets every day now have disappeared. So Twitter really does really, you know, cause us to, to make people think that we've been ignored and um, things like that. So I find it very appropriate, that, that, um, that image. Thank you, Fred. I agree with you. Um, it is very powerful, and um, not everyone has the guts to speak up about the things, whether it's political or what they don't like. And um, I think one of the most important things about this artist is that um, he speaks his mind, and he sh- and and art does what art does, right? Art is supposed to be a reflection of society and what we're doing. And I think this particular artist, um, he's really done a great job. Um, if you look over his uh, collection. And um, so with that being said, I want to go to the second one, which is um, after social anxiety, um, I, I've got uh, uh, times like these. And, and this is actually a piece that I purchased. And I was actually really shocked because at the time, that I was collecting his work, um, he was selling uh, pieces that were worth over a thousand tezos, and they're being put in uh, vaults of different um, collectors who were collecting it. So um, when I was able to acquire one on one from him, I, I just thought that was just like the most amazing thing. But also, it wasn't just the value of, oh, I'm getting an NFT. I, I couldn't believe that nobody, you know, was going to outbid me on this one because, um, you know, times like these, uh, it's magnificent. So it's, it's like a theater. There's so much going on in there. You know, the hand, you know, we're puppets. There's the big hand from above and, um, and, and the theater of life. Um, there's just so much going on with this particular piece that, um, you know, we never talked about these things. And so I just... Uh, I feel good that I'm bringing, you know, these up and, um, and I want to hear what you think about this. So art is powerful. Kunal, what do you think about times like this? What's your opinion on that? The fact is that he has so many art styles. I'm just trying to kind of decipher his collections one of the collections which i absolutely love is called crime is art and i'm going to talk about that because it's so interesting even the description what he wrote is so so interesting and he takes no credit for the art he creates so i think he also kind of making a very pop cultural statement where everyone is like you know, what artists should do and what AI and what traditional and so many different kind of noises coming together. But he is saying that uh, I take no credit for my art. He said that in one in his description. I think his whole sort of um, 
coming to nft is also and performance you know what i mean it's almost like performance art he's just he's not interested in the selling or minting or anything to cre- create a career rather than making a statement through art which could be anything like ai or traditional or anything and i'm i think it's very very transgressive in that way i think it's very very interesting i'm just trying to kind of understand his sort of mental complexities to be on tezos create ai and with different kind of art style what what would be the psyche of that sort of an artist you know and i think in this piece which says at times like this it also talks about a sense of a sense of power play which you are kind of um accustomed to you're you're kind of dictated you're kind of you're kind of performing so i think his sense of performance is there in his art style i think he's also kind of performing in the nft to create a statement you know it's almost like the entire object is a performance art for me you know it's so interesting now and when i just look looking at his work it's so varied and at the same time he's saying that he's not taking any credit for any of his art i think it's very very um unsettling and at the same time alluring very interesting thank you kumal yes um the art is crime is definitely one of my favorite um collections that he's done um for sure and uh, i feel like in order to be what you described you have to have so much understanding of history world politics as well as personal experience to be able to produce such work because there's so much significance and deep meaning in these that um some of them i haven't even figured out and i have to tell you one of the most mysterious pieces is the one that i have um after times like this is um f nord 7 is the picture of a woman with the blue tear that is one of the most mysterious work that he's done and i know there's a lot of political significance to it and um i hope that one day he will talk about that but after that i want to go to shift change which is like you said um there's comedy and humor in the work and so it's it's a, a shift change is the one where superman is uh sitting on the couch uh he's got his boots off and he's like drinking his coffee or tea and he's just looking out and it's called shift change so you know he's imagining what superman would be doing when he's taking a break and um and you know it's just interesting to get into the mind of the artist and to say you know what is that about and um also you know what does this say about us as people and society as we need these symbols like superman or batman or these things right like what does that say about us that we need hope that we need people that are like superhuman with special powers that come and rescue us and 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 i like that he makes us realize that these things that we give so much power to they're just ordinary things and we're just the ones that are attaching all this significance to it so he destroyed superman for me <laughs> and i loved it and i loved what he did with that superman and um So anyway, that was one of the funnier but more powerful ones that I liked. And um Fred, uh did you get a chance to see the Superman one? Did, did you see that one? Do you have any opinions about Yeah, that? it's definitely it's well the 
the, the three from that hymn, so the other three that's in there, definitely definitely has all powerful um, stories behind them. The first one, which we um, you just or we he just we sort of jumped over the um, act the um, ballerina or actress just being um, manipulated by other you know another force like the hand. Definitely has a powerful thing about you know artists and people like we have here in our Twitter space. You know, I'm mean, not you, but other collectors who dictate what they want. There's 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 um, people who say they only want purple boobs, and we know who we're talking about. You know, and they want um, people not to tweet. You know, they tell they tell the people don't tweet, don't don't retweet. You know, and these collectors are telling people what they should and shouldn't do. How many they should mint, what they should do, what they should burn, and it's just—it's not—it's not what art's about. Art's about doing what you want, and being free and to to do things. The Ford Flutic one, I suppose we have to find out exactly what that um, those the name means, but it's definitely a tear thing. I, I personally get from him it's to do with his mother. I think there's it could be a his mother's name, it could be just her crying that you know you've you become an artist not a doctor or something like this there's definitely you know all of them have emotion and of course the superman one very very um in your face very much about this this guy confidently just sitting there just doesn't give a shit about what he's what's going on he's finished for the day all the criminals and whoever else can continue on he's taking the break and he's having his day you know he's, he's finished the day today so definitely um, great art. I, I love all the pieces there that you've got in that selection. Thank you, Fred. I agree with you about 99% of what you said, but um, I'm kind of hesitant to think that that is a picture of his mother, um, mostly because he deals with very symbolic characters, right? Superman, Charlie Chaplin, and the fact that he's trying to keep his identity hidden and having a picture of his mother would kind of um, fail that. Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't say it was his picture of his mother. I said it's to represent his mother. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, okay, uh, th that could be. But I have a feeling that this person is actually a very important historical person that um, one day I will get to the bottom of it. And, um, uh, and, and, and I have a feeling it has to do with the Holocaust and the Jewish people. I don't know why, but... There's just oh, something yes. about that picture that just tells me that that's what this is about. Yeah, well, well, the, I the, do have the, the, the tear tattoo under the eye is a prison tattoo symbolism. Prisoners who tattoo the tears under their eye is because they've made their mother cry. So that's that's the symbolism I get from that. If he's if he's just put it there just for the sake of the uh, other statement, then fine. But that's definitely a strong statement that you find when you look into tattoos and symbolism it's a very it's it's a very common one that's why you see a lot of um criminals or people in prison with that tattoo thank you fred you just schooled me i had no idea that that was what that tear meant i, I have often seen it but nobody had ever explained that to me well i guess uh i was uh very sheltered in some ways, so I I, I didn't learn. Well, no, it's 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 it, it's not about sheltering. It's it's a it's it's just some of those things. If you want to know? That's why there's also there's another tattoo where they put um, 
a spider web on their on their elbow. That means they've done more like twenty years, forty years, and things like this. It's just I'm a writer, so you you've got to get these details when you're writing books. So and of course, if you see it in photography or in um, art, sometimes it's a good idea to Google it, and you'll get the you'll get the stuff. So that's why I think that it goes back to Beanie's mother making her cry because all these art and all these is things here seem to be showing us a, a certain pattern or his personality. So that's why I think that, that goes that way. But, you know, it doesn't matter because that's the beauty about art. You can interpret whoever you want. You purchased it because what you thought it meant. But when I tell you that it means something else, you don't be offended. You don't go, oh, no, I don't want it to be that piece. You just go, oh, actually, it could be both. And, and that's what I'll say to you. It could be both too. Wonderful. Wow. What a great way to learn about so much history. And I never thought art was going to teach me so much. And um, anyway, I, I've lived in the art city most of my life. And um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to be here and to talk about art. Um, let's go to my second tweet. Or actually, I guess it would be the, the, the third one in the nest is um, we've got secrets number two, job security the anchor and imaginary masters. So um, I, I'm not going to rush too far ahead, but uh, again, um, this first one, secrets number two, there's a lot going on in here. And, um, you know, there's like the raven. And then there's, there's like, it looks like there's a man on the bottom there. And, and you're, you're like peeking into like you're going to peek into somebody's world and you're seeing their secrets. So this particular um, collection was also very fascinating to me, um, the, the, the secrets. So I just wanted to uh, share that with you. And um, I, I don't really understand a whole lot. I, I just like the concept. I like the way the visuals are. It's 3D. And, and I really feel like I'm looking inside a keyhole into another universe so th this is very fascinating and um it's just a really powerful way to bring it and, and it's just so 3d and amazing looking um what do you think kunal uh first of all i wanted to talk about the airdrop thing i think it's very interesting like fred uh, kind of pointed out that part and i when you said the holocaust thing i actually kind of realized that it looks like uh, annie frank you know, the aging version of Annie Frank. And I was like having that sense of very elusive sort of face. All, it's not sad or happy. It's just kind of oscillating in between. It's weird and unsettling. But the look of it has a very Jewish appeal to it. Like I, a lot of pictures I have watched during the Holocaust. It looks like that, like you pointed out rightly very weird and the interesting thing i really like this one the superman when it's almost like a pop cultural icon is almost like shown in the most vulnerable way where he's not powerful enough or he's like in a very intimate sort of a moment kind of finding his own sort of identity or in this world and is like not very aesthetic it's almost like finding your own sort of ways to kind of feel complete in this world of emptiness is obese and bald and kind of thinking over a lot of things I, wa I was also trying to decipher what is this green neon green kind of 
shisha kind of thing going on but i couldn't because it's kind of easy it has a very elusive sort of appeal to it so i think it's very interesting what he's doing um uh, coming back to the the uh, the bird face women it's really interesting I, the interesting thing there is a man with this broken walnuts you know it's so sexual in that way and it's it has this sort of nudges you know this sense of you know the wrong doings or the or the or the doings behind this bars or it also speaks a lot of lot of things which a lot of people don't talk about inside this uh, the secret world of politics or, or or any form of this patriarchal sort of a system where where men kind of dictates a lot of uh, choices of women um so i think it's also very interesting very symbolic interesting sort of point of views sort of things are going on especially the nuts very interesting also also kind of satirical it's also also kind of uh diminishes the agency of the men in the picture you know it all at the same time there is a agency and there is a less agency for the women so i think it's sort of a juxtaposition to kind of uh he's making a statement yeah um i just have a personal thing about this that um growing up my mother never disagreed with my dad in public she never belittled him she never spoke bad and she never ridiculed him in public and if there was any issues it waited until they were home behind closed doors and not even in front of us the children so this this particular one kind of reminds me of how things were between my mom and dad because like you know behind closed doors she had that position right because she was the mother she had the children she held the house and and so when when it was like at home it was different and then when we were outside it was different and 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 so this juxtaposition for me just kind of fell into place with this particular piece and and it just had a personal appeal to it for me because um yeah because in the end um you know before my dad passed on i learned that everything he ever owned he put in my mother's name even though you know uh, first 10 years of my life i grew up in iran and uh you know it's a very male dominated society even today but my dad loved my mom so much that even in the USA he put everything in her name to show her how important she was and uh and, and so to me th- this this keyhole represents the secret of a happy marriage <laughs> for men and women is uh is 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 to do that and and also that's something that i noticed a lot between western and eastern cultures is um women you know traditionally women in eastern cultures they don't belittle their men in public they they don't speak against them loud and they don't put them down but it's a little bit different in the west and uh, women have empowerment but i also feel like things have gone maybe a little bit overboard because i've seen some personal friends and and the way they've treated their husbands and the way they've behaved in relationship and i just kind of wonder um you know is this feminism really helped us you know is, is this what we wanted is this the freedom women needed anyway i'm getting off topic 
let's get back to the art and uh, let's let's go on to the next one, which is, um, and by the way, Fred, feel free to jump in here anytime. Um, I don't want to ignore anybody's voice, but um, why don't we uh, hear from you about uh, this um, Secrets number two before we go on to the next one. Uh, what is your opinion about uh, all that we just said? Oh, I agree with everything you said. And I definitely love the idea that you, or, or you said they picked up, the, it's got that little 3D effect. I love the way it's framed in the keyhole. And what you see is exactly that. You see a, a small man with his nuts off and, you know, and the, and the woman being the, you know, the patriarch or whatever. So it's, it's definitely a powerful image that way. So it's, yeah, what you both have said, I, I definitely 100%. So moving on, I think we all know what this next one is, right? Job security. I think this is like a total cool commentary on Amazon. And that's Jeff Bezos. And um, of course, you know, it's got the symbol looking kind of like Amazon. And um, so uh, this is one of the ones I wanted to focus on. And uh, it's called job security. Except what's really weird is that the people there all look like the star wars uh bad guys so it's like it's called job security but who are the people you know who have job security and and what are they really doing so i i kind of like the 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 mix and mash of star wars jeff bezos and amazon all rolled up and what i don't understand are what those red things are on the bottom. That's been a mystery to me. So Kunal, why don't you take the lead on this one? What do you think about this? And who do you think these characters are? I think there's a lot of identity crisis in this because you don't really see who's behind the back. It's almost like you really don't know who is doing the real job, you know, for the jobs, for, for, for retaining their jobs. So there is a lot of identity crisis is almost like they're trying to they're not even finding their own sort of security within themselves. And uh, the very interesting symbol symbolism of this Amazon logo with this red, vibrant red or son's eye, you know, and uh, this um, it's looking very weird with this almost like poker poker coins you know it's almost like poker coins but in the same like homogeneous you know having no sense of identity almost painting the same way to everyone so they can look similar or same uh so there is a lack of identity and uh, even the background itself with this weird looking vibrant yellow. It's very unsettling at the same time. Yeah. Fred, what's your opinion about this uh, weird Star Wars, Amazon, sci-fi looking kind of art piece? It's very symbolic, no? Yeah, to me, the, the Stormtrooper um, Star Wars people actually sort of give me a sense of authority that there's workers inside the building and they're not getting out because these people outside are making sure that they're going to do the right thing. 
especially seeing the big building and what we know about Amazon and the workers who can't even go to the toilet and, you know, they have to have bottles when they're working and, you know, do things like that. The red thing definitely is is a very focal point and it's an interesting choice because when I see it, I think of a surveillance. I think of those cameras that they have for surveillance and, and Amazon creates a, a camera brand called Ring and I checked that it was, a, it was the same logo, it's not. So I'd love to know what logo that one is because it definitely has a surveillance feel about it. And, um, you know, and that's how I see this whole thing is, is it's, it's about the, the, the people behind that we don't see. It's, it's the, the people in that building that uh, don't have any, you know, rights, but they have a job. You know, they, they can't go out, they can't do anything, and, you know, they're, they're being watched. I think you're 100% spot on. I think the whole world saw what was happening with Amazon and um, they were trying to create unions. And um, I, I think uh, there was a lot happening with them. And um, even though they claimed to be paying very high wages, the, the real story turned out to be um, something that wasn't what we realized. And you're right. I think all those workers in the background and, and, Maybe it's my imagination, but some of them look like they're females, like like they have um, like like they have chest area, and and so, um, yeah. I, I also noticed that you know there there's a female representation, and yet it's the stormtroopers uh, that are guarding this uh, place, and um, you know, bringing new uh, a new rain. Definitely. Um, all right. Uh, how about we move on to some symbolism? The anchor. Okay, so the anchor um, is very interesting. Um, aside from the phallic symbol, uh, it's an anchor. And, uh, and so, I don't know, am I the only one who sees the phallic symbol here? Because, you know, I have a dirty mind, or does anybody else see that too? <laughs> I didn't see it as a phallic symbol, though, but something very cultish and uh, almost like some sort of um, spaceship actually more than an anchor itself i actually thought it's a spaceship which is also has a very rooted sort of aesthetic in it it's almost like a primal uh, sort of yarn Yarn as in a spacecraft, you know, it has a very ancient sort of aesthetic to it somehow, but it's a spaceship. So, yeah, maybe I should look more into it. I actually did talk um, to the artist about that and I did ask him about it. And he's like, he agreed with me. It is a phallic symbol that's hidden. And uh, when I asked him about it, he said, was it that obvious? And I was like, no, I've just got a dirty mind and I see phallic symbols everywhere. But in this particular case, it was it was real. So, um, Fred, did you get a chance to check out? Well, well but, but before you before you confirmed it, I was going to say I see it too. But maybe I've got that sort of mind because even in my art, I see phallic symbols. So I think, does anyone else see these symbols? I mean, okay, hopefully I'm the only one that sees it. But I don't mean to put them in there. But the the, what I find interesting about this is that I saw it when you, before you just sort of described it. 
and thought about him using the colour yellow because yellow is a colour you use about communication and outgoing. So it's it's very personal to him, I think, this one. So um, I think that's that's something where, you know, I think that it's it's a beautifully done and, you know, very well done way because it's, you know, whatever it means to him, it could be his, you know, I would say his outlet, you know, for, for all the pains and things that he feels. His sexuality is, is normal and he's fine and, and, of course, that's what he's trying to, portray here because um anchor you know means that that's his you know it, it, it's holding him there it's it's keeping him you know where he is and keeping him so yeah so but the use of the color i think is what tips me off to, to say that it's 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 not a, a, a erotic or you know um dirty thing it's, it's just something about embrace it you know don't fear it and, and i think that's you know that's what it's about Thank you, Fred. Uh, Go ahead, Kunal. No, when you said the phallic, I'm just trying to decipher something because you said phallic. So I think there's a sense of masculine energy and there is a sense of fluidity, which is like, you know, which is enveloping the masculine energy. It's like a perfect balance to it and which makes this thing very androgynous in a way because there's a perfect balance of both. You know, it's almost like this this sense of unity and there is this sense of balance and poise and yeah the whole shape is very arborlex it's like rhythmic it's like something forming together in this 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 energy which is like also very sexual because it's, there's male and female kind of kind of being in this this sort of rhythmic pattern and they are almost like in this this sort of really divine sort of yoga you know, so I think he tries to kind of uh, represent that, that sort of androgynous energy. Absolutely. I think you're right. Um, so moving forward to the next one, it's one of my favorite pieces. I'm a big fan of cartoons and comic books. And there's a lot of humor and fun in the work in the middle of all the uh, strong messages. So the next one is again um has to do with who's who's running the show it's called imaginary masters and it's one of the famous monsters from the bugs bunny cartoons that we would see and and then if you look on this monster orange monster i think you can make out the word uh maybe sold on there maybe maybe i'm not reading it right but it seems to me like it's the word sold and he's the creator and, and he's doing it and so Imaginary Masters, and and then at the very top of that, to the left of it, it looks like a Marilyn Monroe, the famous, you know, the the wind blowing up her skirt, and then there was a butterfly. There, there's just so much symbolism going on with hearts and ships, and 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 so um, I want to share with you this particular one and Imaginary Masters, and and my question is, is why is the chair blue here? What do you guys think? I think it's not a chair. It's like a tool or maybe covered with a piece of fabric which is blue you know and there is also uh the tool which is using almost looks like a cctv camera you know it's not like a hammer it's almost like a cctv camera which is by like recording his sort of performance and creating something and you said soul and i also see something which is called time flies you know above the sold 
thing which is written and i think he make a statement of what an artist uh, is willing to kind of give in to to create a legacy or create a sort of a career and uh, because there is also a very dystopian sort of symbolism with uh, marlin monro we all know that her mental state and everything and also though other imageries are kind of blurred they're like they're melted they are not completely defined but only image which i could like really decipher is the marlin monro iconic scott moment you know and i think it also kind of establishes a lot of uh, symbolism with it because and there is also this sense of artistic innocence with the butterfly and i think there is a sense of this metamorphosis an artist goes through um i mean this is very interesting actually the work is really interesting especially the hammer part which is not a hammer but it's a cctv camera it's almost like you are kind of criticizing yourself every time with every work and it's like a part of your career but time flies everything gets sold or not sold but your time kind of gets sold you know so it's it's really dark and devastating in that way so yeah it's very interesting thank you kunal i appreciate i appreciate your review and i and i agree with you and i also think it's uh, there it's like this vicious cycle between collectors and artists right artists want to sell their work and collectors want to buy work and a lot of times artists want to make what collectors want to buy so i think that also plays into it is that we we have these imaginary masters and we're trying to create masterpieces for them and and they just want us to be us you know no matter what collectors say they want you to be authentic and so for me that's the message here fred what do you think yeah um it's very reminiscent of a, a tattoo parlor the tattoo parlors have all the um tattoo images on the wall like that Let's speak at the Marilyn Monroe, the butterfly, the ships and things like that. All those um, tattoos have meanings in them. Um, the, what he is describing as a hammer is it's the old type of tattoo guns. They have like a motor at the top, that's that round piece. And then the needles come down from the motor in his hand, which he's holding. And the wire, as you can see, comes down from that device down to there. The blue, I think, is just a contrast to the yellow. Um, but as I said, again, it's funny that he's used yellow a lot in this one. He's got the red there. I think really the, the Masters is similar to what you just said. It's about making art each time. Maybe he feels like, because you said before, he, he sort of says that the art, you know, he feels like he's forced to make it or it's not him and stuff. And a tattoo artist is a similar thing. They're, they're constantly churning out the same image. They're using similar images all the time. So I think that's what the masters sort of means that, you know, again, some artists are doing it because that's the, what people want to buy, you know, that's the thing that they, they're going to demand. And the artists are, say, are just turning it out because the, the face that we can see, there's a grimace on it. And again, got tattoos around the face, um, which, yeah, I don't think there's a, not much symbolism, I think, in the stars. I'll probably talk that one up, but yeah, it's, um, that's what I get from it. 
Thank you, Fred. I think you're spot on about the tattoo parlor. That never occurred to me. And I think that's definitely what's uh, going on here. And um, so I want to make sure that we have enough time to cover the most important part of this artist's work, which we're going to get to. But the very next one, Crime is Art. Um, I picked Cezanne in Japan. Okay. And so this is when. Um, Crime is Art 2 is, is, is part of the Crime is Art collection. And, uh, and so when AI art came out, and, and still it's very controversial, right? So I think this particular piece, um, he just had a message for artists who make art. And art is art. Tools are important, but they do not define the art. Use whatever tools inspire you. Credit whomever you think deserves it. Make art. That is all. This was a mid-journey prompt that he created, Cezanne, Japanese style. And he gave all credit to the mid-journey programmers. And pretty sure Cezanne owns themselves. And so I, I love his sense of humor. I love how he gives credit to, you know, whoever deserves the credit. And so I feel like, uh, you know, him coming into mid-journey, and, and it just made me so happy to see that and here's the other thing that I realized about his art, because I could still pick out his style. So these people who say all you did is push a button is not true, because you know we've actually looked at some of the artists, and and even though they're using AI tools, you can still see their art style in there. And this particular artist actually did an experiment, and I ended up being part of that experiment without knowing he. He had uh, put some AI art and didn't tweet about it. And I just happened to be looking at a bunch of Tezo's art. And I just saw a tiny thumbprint of one of the art pieces. And even in that tiny little thumbprint, I thought, huh, this looks like this person's art. And so I went on and I clicked on it. And sure enough, it was his art. And I got so excited that I went and I wrote to him all about it. And, and he said, yep. I was I was doing a test. I wanted to see, um, you know, if people would recognize my style, even though I'm using um, AI art or something to that extent. Not exactly in those words, because we've never actually spoken in real life. We've just exchanged messages on Twitter. So that was my excitement was to um, settle for myself that even if you are using AI tools, it is still your work. What do you think about that, Kunal? Like I said, I think he's trying to make a statement with his whole, I think, whole artistic career is a performance. I think he's trying to kind of make artists free from all these norms of just creating with tools rather than having a very artistic sort of a life in being expressive in all forms. I think that is very potent in his work. And especially this collection, which is crime is art and it, the, the way he writes about always free, always 100% royal and everything. It's also very interesting how he kind of uh, creates a lot of statements. Like you said, it's an experiment for him. It's uh, and also kind of using all these amazing artists, like modernist artists like Royal Lynchstein and Kindiskis and Francisco Goyas, all these iconic characters, you know, icons in the art world and using them as 
as materials to kind of tell the contemporary artists that that whatever you're doing just do it your your own ways and be free i think it's a really amazing sort of a kunal i think we lost you there my friend um are you there sorry sorry am i lagging you cut up for a minute but we got you back okay um i think maybe you were rugging um so we'll come back to you um fred i want to hear your opinion on this one and then we're going to move to the most important part of this collection okay so so as you probably know from ai art you you'll put in a prompt and you'll get a piece out and then you'll think no this is not what i want i'll then change the prompt and i'll keep changing the prompt changing the prompt then you finally you 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 create the piece that you like and of course like here it's very similar to his style it's got the similar coloring it's got the same sort of feel to it and and his his statement that he wants to show is because he's still got a signature at the bottom um so yeah i think he's he's he definitely got the message across what he wants to get across he's made it creative commons to say hey yes i've created it and and of course he's given it to the credit to mid journey so i like the way he's actually you know spoken about this obviously you know he's he's minted it so he he's he accepts that he's going to make ai art and receive payment so it's not like he's done it as a giveaway um so yeah i, I all i can say there is you know we all know that ai art's going to be with us for the next umpteen years we're not going to it's not going to go away and people that who use it in their art and use it in their in their process um know that it's not as easy as is what people make out of this that, that make you know give us negative energy about it because they think that we just type in you know beautiful person and suddenly we get pictures of beautiful people it's not like that so um no, i'm glad that even though he put the prompt there I guarantee you, I bet he probably had to do it about five or ten times to get what he wanted. He could say it's his art. And that's the other thing which you've got to remember about um, AI art. I can put the same prompt even now and I'll probably get something different. That's exactly right. I agree with you. And um, so now I want to move on to the most important part of this artist's work. Now, unfortunately, um, it doesn't seem like the uh, collectors recognized the important significance of this. So one of the most important collections that he created is called the Voynich Panels. Um, I don't know if you all know what the Voynich Panels are, but it is one of the most mysterious manuscripts from the 15th century and even today um they still don't know it's it's so mysterious so it's uh this is called the world's most mysterious book written in an unknown script by an unknown author the manuscript has no clear purpose since it was discovered in 1912 and uh, currently, this manuscript uh, lives in the Yale uh, Rare Books um, collections. So um, the, the thing is, is this, this thing is very mysterious. And um, it was written somewhere in Central Europe uh, at the end of the 15th century or during the 16th century. 
and um, and uh, it's named after the Polish American bookseller William Voynich, who acquired it in 1912. And uh, so. The drawings of this manuscript fall into six different sections, botanical drawings, astronomical and astrological drawings, and, um, and then there is uh, nude uh, female figures, and then there's a biological section containing uh, drawings of um, women with uh, swelled abdomens and they're and, and there's something weird they're they're like in this green fluid thing and, and nobody's really been able to understand this and there's like pharmaceutical drawings of over a hundred different species of medicinal herbs and here's the weird thing a lot of people say that some of these herbs are made up so we don't know what this is so when i uh, talked to the artist about this program that I was going to do today, I asked him, what is his most important work that he considers most significant? And this is the collection that is most dear and the most amount of energy and time he spent on. So the Voynich panels is just, it's a mysterious manuscript, but it, it, it keeps us going. And I don't think anybody could have done a better job then and then then to do a commentary and to create ai images from that and to try to bring art history to us so kunal have you had a chance to look at these uh interesting uh, panels yeah this looks really amazing the pictures are so stunning um it's almost like this different kind of world it's like a parallel universe where people are experimenting with a lot of ancient energies and and apparatus and different kind of objects and human bodies it's almost like fossilized and it's almost some 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 bodies are formaldehydes and they're like it's weird it's very interesting even the naming of it like may 7 1832 oh my god it has this different kind of and it's like so interesting it's like there's this line called I do not feel young. I feel pressure to complete. Oh my God, this is so airy. Crazy. <laughs> Very interesting. The, everything, how it's written, how it's documented, is, it's almost like, again, like a performance. It's like he's performing to be this mad, chaotic scientist in his lab to kind of bring back all past memories and all this sort of experiments which have been done in the ancient history. So I think the, and also the, the aesthetic of it is like spot on. Thank you, Kunal. I couldn't have done a better review than that. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Fred, have you had a chance to look at these amazing panels? Yeah, and I love the way that he's done this type of, um, the, 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 I suppose you say layout, you know, with all the different images put together. Um, it, it to me, it, as an artist, it takes a lot of courage to do that because it's it's like you're making the collage, but you're not doing the collage, and you're putting these images together. He's chosen some great images, as um, Kunant brought, you know, pointed out that it gives it a real different, mysterious. It 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 goes in keeping with what you described the book as an ancient script that no one can read, or you know some 
mysterious things that we don't know the answer to. So he's he's definitely got all that worked out in all the different pictures. It's it's almost like we're looking at the book itself. So it's um yeah no a great piece and it's it's still a message there because in a way it teaches us we don't know everything that we there's still a lot for us you know to discover and to find out and um no it's it's definitely a powerful piece and I definitely agree that it's one of his um you know ones that you know you you probably do remember you'll 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 think about it for you know of years to come i think so too i think um and and uh while we're on the subject of rarity and um, preciousness um, what i love about this artist is that he makes his art accessible to everyone while he's got pieces that have sold for over a thousand tezos he continues to create work that um, we can all collect. So I love that he makes his art accessible to us. And then he has his rare pieces. And I just want to model myself um, according to what he does, because it's just everything, you know, the way he does his collection, the, the style that he's doing. Um, anyway, I, I, I think the Voynich panels, if you haven't looked into it, you should definitely check it out. And um, I feel like this will all be sold out when people realize how significant this artwork is. But um, you have a chance to go grab a few pieces because there's some that are like around one Tezos. And um, and, and I think uh, this is this would be a great thing um, to have uh, if, if you know if you don't have thousands of Tezos to spend. Um, this is definitely the best value for your Tezos buck. Um, so moving on, uh, crime is art. Um, I want to end this program with um, the political piece that he did called Worth 22. And it is, we need to talk about Misan. So all of you know what went on with Tezos Foundation and Misan collecting work. And, and there was just so much controversy um there was a lot of accusations thrown around and um and, and i just feel like his was the voice of reason and instead of just you know he, he didn't throw mud at anybody he, he didn't destroy anyone he's a very reputable person but he just made his opinion know in a very professional manner that i think um this is what you should do so it's like a letter to misan and um, and and uh, and I actually think uh, Misan probably collected one of these too. I would if it was about me. But um, anyway, um, did anybody get a chance to read um, this particular work called Worth Twenty Two? And we need to talk about Misan. Kumal, I'm reading it, but it's very interesting. We need to talk about Misan. It's called. It's very interesting. Why it's called Worth though? Does he kind of points out about the worth of artist collector relationship? Or I don't know, there's a lot of com commentary on that part. Every wallet, not just it's very interesting how he writes his um, description. There is this wallet with his wallet address on it. It's so interesting. Well, without us having too much space of white no or no noise, I did a quick brief read and that the the things he brings up were the how you say the the more um polite ways of questioning what was going on because there were a lot of um 
very, how you say, um, slanderous accusations that were made. I don't think Miss Anne was doing anything un, un, untowards or un, unthink. I think even Miss Anne agreed with that whole controversy that it should have been a bit more vetting and a bit more thing, which are the questions he's asking there. How do this, these people get access to Miss Anne and how do they make choices and how do they end up owning the pieces before Missing gets to buy them and things like that. So, And these are things which you've got to look at and say, well, but hold on. He was given the opportunity to do what he did, and he did it the way I think ethically he should have. There obviously could have been better ways, but there weren't any instructions before he started to do it a different way. In hindsight now, the, the foundation has worked out that it's better to do that. And it's it's... It's not that he did anything wrong. It's just that people made accusations, and that's what I'm trying to get through. Because there's nothing wrong with someone saying, "Hey, you know, please, collector, come and have a look at this. This is sold out, but I've got a piece here," and and he knows that when he buys that piece from that person, they're going to then use some funds to go and buy other pieces. And that's what people don't realise that a lot of the people he purchased from at the higher price, the artist got their money. The, the collector got their money, then the collector went off and brought other pieces from other collectors. So he didn't buy from people like collectors that were just going to take the money and then take it out of the Tezos community. He, he, he did actually buy a lot from people from a certain area who got pieces that sold for quite big high prices and they never purchased from other Tezos people. But then I'd agree with that, what he did, because those countries need that support, need that money, and that's all, you know, that, there was nothing wrong with that. So when you start looking at what he, what the foundation did and what he did with the foundation, there, to me, there was no ethics cross. Um, there definitely was a, a, a problem where, and I'll bring it up now, there was where there, he would make an offer on something and a, a, another person, which no one still can identify to this day, would then go and buy the item for the list price and then sell it to him at, his, at the offer price. So where he was expecting the person who was listing it to get the whole money, some shady dealer was doing that. And that dealer was definitely watching to see for those transactions happen. And he was dragged into that because I know from people who made those accusations that they said he was, you know, making money. And, of course, we know for a fact he wasn't. Well, we don't know for a fact, but... There's no facts to prove that he was making the money. So, um, but, you know, as I said, I believe what he did was great. I believe his heart was in it. I think that this, uh, when it involves money, it's just one of those things that you, you, sometimes you're better off to say no because you're going to be dragged in the mud when your actual fact, he was strong enough to say, no, I've got a reputation and my reputation will hold strong and the people around me can, you know, either decide or not decide and go that way. So... Yes, great piece. I do like that he addressed it. I do like the way that he did it in a way where I would say these are valid points, valid criticism, and there are certainly things which I think, you know, was agreed upon later that there needs to be a, um, uh, you know, different checks and balances when these things are done, not because of what he did, because of the accusations that were made. Thank you, Fred. Um I was trying to speak earlier, but my mic acted up. So um, what I really love about this piece is that while there's a lot of questions going around, the artist does not destroy Misan. What does he say? 
is all of this too much to ask from a single person who's doing this part-time? Yes, it absolutely is, which is why the curation should be done by a group of people. It needs to be done by a board, not a single person taking advice from bad actors. Pun intended. So I like that he's compassionate. I like that he just doesn't dump everything on one person and say, oh, this is bad. You're all no. He 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 just, you know, he's just stating what we need to hear. And he's very respectful about it. And um, and so, and by the way, I have seen what Nissan has done. He has changed lives, okay? I have friends in Africa, friends in Iran, and he is a lifesaver, okay? So while other people are tied up in their little circle of money and who's doing what, a lot of people are not looking at the big picture of what's happening here. And maybe some of those artists who, you know, get their work bought, like you said, can't go and buy Tezo's art from other people because they live in such a dire situation that they need every Tezo's to put food on the table or to keep themselves safe. So I, I have seen Misan change lives. And this, this is the miracle of art. So, yes, there's always going to be people trying to make money, trying to do shady deals, whatever. That's just the nature of the world. But we cannot overlook the good. And we must always talk about the good that comes out of it, as well as the things that need to be corrected. So I just want to say a couple more words. And um, I, uh, Kunal, before we finish the space, I want to give you both a chance to talk about um, what we did today. And if you have anything you want to announce about yourselves. And then I'm going to make some end of the show announcements, and then we will close the space shortly. So Kunal, is there anything you'd like to share with us? Please go ahead. Yes, I actually want to talk about the pictorial depiction of Misan because it's almost like, especially his attire and the background, it's almost like there's a sense of empathy for sure with the eyes and the representation of his small shoulders and everything. It's almost saying that don't ostracize the already marginalized, you know, have this sense of empathy towards this sense of what I love the name. Oh my God. My heart kind of opens up to the name. It's so beautiful. Words bracket 2022. It's beautiful. I think I'm not, it's like I said, he's, I'm not interested in his work. I'm just interested how he presents his work. It's like performance. He's just making a statement is so powerful and potent. I, he, even he's not interested in his aesthetic depiction of his work. He's interested in performing the arts. His art is the, his performance, you know, it's like abstract expressionism. Like he's more into the process of creating that, not the end product of it. So I think it's very interesting. Oh my God. It's like crazy. I mean, I haven't seen anybody doing this here, especially I, I have studied a lot of performing arts, but not like this. It's very interesting. It's a new sort of genre of NFTs performing arts. You know, it's amazing. Loved it. Thank you, Kunal. I agree with you a hundred percent. Fred, what would you like to share with us? Um, no, definitely. I, I actually gladly brought up about the image because, yeah, the image definitely portrays the the tone of his his um, description. So he's definitely showing empathy and things like that. 
So, yeah, no, but I definitely agree. All the, all the art you've shown today has definitely got a great presentation, a great meaning. It's definitely showed the artist has got a lot of depth, a lot of um, empathy, and, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's good to see this type of artist, you know, out there and doing what they're doing because it's, you know, this is what art's about. It's, it's expression from the soul. It's, it's about our soul, the voice of our soul, I, I always say. And we've been able to see into this guy's soul in the pieces and in, including the, you know, and he's up to date. He's on on the, you know, things of what's going on around us in, in the um, in the world. And he's he's bringing it out in his um, art. So it's definitely beautiful to see. Thank you, Fred. You're absolutely right. Um, this artist has heart and uh, I pray and hope things get resolved so that um, we can have him back with us. Um, my name is True Tez, um, is definitely one of the most uh, important artists in this space. And um, I think anybody who's looked at his work uh, realizes that uh, this, this person's been around, they're not going to go away, and, and they're definitely going to be um, very, very important when we look back historically. So um, I'm so glad that you joined me today to um, go over uh, this art, and um, I hope that uh, maybe we'll uh, hear about him and his opinions. Um, but uh, before we end the day, I I'd like for everybody to check out uh, Tez Town. Right now, they've got their second annual Rocking New Year's Jackpot event. We're in the middle of it right now. So you can create a, a beautiful work, and you have until the 26th of this month. 23 editions only, and only maximum five NFTs per creator on any Tezos platform, and you send one edition uh, to the jackpot address, and there's going to be prizes. So thank you, Town, for putting on these amazing events. Thank you, Lily, for putting on this show. And um, thank you to Tezos Commons for supporting artists and helping us uh, continue to do our work and by giving value to our work. And uh, helping us along. I'm so happy that uh, we got to have this time together. Um, I'm going to give you a hint. Uh, the next artists that I want to review, their work is Tabasso. She's here with us uh, in the space today, but um, the next time I schedule a space, um, I would like to focus on the beautiful uh, historical photography of Tabasso. And uh, thank you, Fred. Thank you, Kunal. Uh, having you here was wonderful. And Retro Manny, I love you. Thank you for joining our space. I wish you could have come up here. I love to hear your opinions as well. And um, hopefully we will all get together again. And um, everybody, have a great rest of your day or evening. And thank you for joining us. Please be safe and enjoy the holidays. Anybody have anything else they want to say before we sign off? Now's your chance. Just want to say thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Fred. Thank you for the space. It was really amazing talking with you. Definitely yeah. the same. I, thank you for running this space. I really appreciate these type of spaces. We should do this often. I mean, I love talking about I would love to talk about Violet also someday. It's like so interesting her work and everything. There are so many different artists on Tezos we can talk to, talk about, and so interesting to kind of 
kind of decipher what they really think about art and their pop culture and everything. It's very, very interesting. Well, I agree with you. I love to be the art historian of this space. You know, everybody's got a place to fill. And um, since I love art, I love talking about art, and I've collected so much art. I live in this space. And yes, I have a whole list of amazing artists. And Violet should definitely be on our list as well. And Kunal, your art is amazing. Fred, your art is amazing. You're all amazing artists. So thank you for giving value to my space and for joining me. I I respect your time and I appreciate your inputs. And um, we will continue to do these spaces. I will make the announcements uh, ahead of time so you can mark your calendars and uh, go look at the artist's work because then we're going to get together and talk about Tabasso next. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful time. See you all soon. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Art History with Tez Town and Friends, hosted by Sandy Toast 2211, recorded on Saturday, December 17th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support. Now, with Spark IBC enabled. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back, doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack, not everybody's always in it for the money, looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday, so you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods, amazed to play Inception, the base state blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small, many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent each time someone listens to one of their tracks, leaving only some portion of that. For the actual artists, they say they're making pennies, say they're pennies, making pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies per play. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabid dog Like a fake mate And call at the zoo It's looking like the view Is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music